Mark 4, 26 through 32. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you can plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. May God bless the reading of this word. guess again, <laughs> good morning, I think we said good morning earlier, but that's all right. Can't have too many good mornings. I'm excited to uh, share with you today, to dream with you a little bit today, um, but first I want to mention something that we have coming up soon. You've got a flyer about it in, um, in your bulletin, and, and if you were in the joy circle, you've already heard about it, and if you're going to be in a circle after church, then uh, you'll hear about it a little bit more. But uh, our church is going to embark on kind of an adventure later in September, about on, starting on September 16th, a study called Keys to Freedom. If you're familiar at all with Mercy Multiplied, this is a, a ministry that started here in West Monroe and is now uh, really international. And they take uh, girls that are troubled from the ages of like 13 to 28 that are dealing with life controlling issues and a lot of times these girls have been to different kinds of rehab facilities and found no help and they come to Mercy and they find a Christ-centered program that helps them to find freedom in life and their success rate is something like 94 percent or something it's unreal um, and so it's really cool ministry, something that we're proud to partner with. Uh, well, recently they changed their name to Mercy Multiplied because they wanted to take the principles that they had learned over the last 35 years that worked so well um, in transforming lives and share that with the larger church in some new ways so that people who can't go to a Mercy home or maybe they're not dealing with one of those kinds of issues, but they have other kinds of issues, or uh, we all have issues. And so they said, well, can we get this out? And one of the ways that they are doing that is through a study called Keys to Freedom. And I went to a workshop um, that Mercy put on. I wasn't really sure what it was about, but I thought, well, if someone was in really bad shape in our church, maybe we could help them with some of the tools of Mercy. But when I was there, what I actually found out was, this is an awesome discipleship study that is so rooted in what the gospel is all about that every believer should have these principles in their hearts and minds. Every believer should uh, should recognize what you know these biblical principles and be able to share them with other people. To be able to apply them in their lives and to be able to share those with other people as they come across it. 
um, their paths. And so we're going to go through this as a church. I'll be preaching about it and we'll be talking about it in our circles. And there's a study guide that goes along with it that uh, I've been really impressed with. And uh, so you can, I sent out an email that you can see a sample of the study guide or you can... Get the study guide, people. <laughs> All right. So, as I was saying, 10 bucks, but if 10 bucks is a problem, let us know. And uh, we've already got folks who are um, given towards kind of like a scholarship thing. So just let us know if you need help um, getting one of these purchases. We want everyone to be able to go through it. So we're going to pass these out on September 9th so that you can do the first five days before we start on September 16th. Um, so wanted to give the plug for that. Also, if you know of anyone who might benefit from a study like this, uh, especially if they're dealing with issues in their life that they've been struggling to overcome, well, give them one of these flyers. We've got extra flyers out at the Welcome Center that you can give to them. Um, you can also, any of your, uh, your circle teachers after this class, they can give you one as well. So, that's my spiel on that. And I think we drove it home. <laughs> I want to tell you a story today. It's been kind of a missional month around here. We've, uh, we've, we've had a missionary. We've had a, a lady from Freedom 13, a human trafficking initiative in, out of Ruston. And, and we've had the Mercy Girls over for dinner on a Wednesday night. And it's just been kind of a, a missional month. And I want to cap that off with a, a missional conversation with us about where we're at as a church and where we can go from here. And so I want to ask you to, to dream a little bit with me today and maybe next week in part two of this to get a little bit more practically minded. So if you're, uh, if you're more of the dreamer, this week is for you. <laughs> and if you're more of a, like, let's get down to what we're actually doing, next week is for you. Uh, so, but hopefully we can all do a little of both over the next couple of weeks. Uh, about four and a half years ago, I was happily leading worship in a congregation in Missouri, and I was contacted about this church being uh, looking for a pastor. And I had some familiarity with the church due to family and that kind of thing, and I said no. <laughs> I said, not a chance. Uh, I had begun to think that maybe someday I would do some sort of pastoral ministry. God had already been kind of working on my heart there. But I had my own ideas about what that was going to look like. And, and I wanted to find a church that was kind of already, you know, just knocking it out of the park. And I was just going to jump in there with them and we were going to knock it out of the park together some more. Because, see, I had already been through this, like, process that churches go through where, man, they're kind of needing to turn a corner and they're needing to update some things and they're needing to refresh and revitalize their ministry for a new era of ministry. And that's hard work. I knew that firsthand. And I had done that a couple times and I was like, you know, next one's going to already have it together. <laughs> that was my, my goal and my dream. And so I started sending y'all some names. Most of you didn't know I was doing that, but I was suggesting this person and that person. And one of my good friends ended up coming down and uh, candidating with you to see if this would be a good fit for him and for you. And so all that took place just about four and a half years ago. And uh, he, I really thought, 
was going to take this job and then he came and he said, I just don't feel like it's right. And in that moment, something went off in my head. I would call it the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I couldn't sleep that night. And I mean, it just completely uh, you know, caught me by surprise because I didn't see it coming. And so then I ended up calling and saying, well, I feel like this is something I need to pursue. And um, long story short, right? Here we are. But I want to tell you about something else that happened in that process. See, when you go through a process and you're trying to find out if a pastor is a good fit for a church and if a church is a good fit for a pastor, well, the church does some research on the pastor and they call references and that kind of thing. And a pastor, if he's smart, also does research on a church. And while I was already kind of familiar with this church, I still reached out to some people who were maybe more familiar or, uh, or had been in the area and that kind of thing. And to tell you the truth, it wasn't all good stuff. Some of it was. But I also heard a lot of, eh, I don't know that I would recommend many churches around these parts for a young pastor. Churches of God. And I also heard, well, Cypress Street, they are who they are. They don't change. They're not going to change. So, you know, if you're good with that, come on down. <laughs> if you're not, then don't. I even got a, right after, after I accepted, I got a, an email from someone who was familiar with the church. They just said, I'm praying for you. Because <laughs> they felt like I needed it. I share this to say that over the last four years, you've proven a lot of people wrong. You have. Their conception of who you were and who you could be and what you would do uh, was, was dead wrong. And you've, you've proven that. I also share that to say to you that, that I wouldn't be here if I didn't believe that God had a reason to bring me here. And I also want to point out that I wouldn't be here if some leaders of this church hadn't been willing to take a bold move and, and reach for somebody that is quite a bit different. Because let's face the reality, I'm different. <laughs> I'm a little different than what you were used to. And, uh, and that's uh, probably bad in some ways and good in some ways. But for better or worse, here we are. And I believe God has been in it. Not all of you were sure that this was a good idea. Some of you may not still be sure that it's a good idea. And yet here we are. And a lot's taken place over the last four years. And so we have a lot worth celebrating. But I also feel like we've come to a place where man, in the last year I, I got kind of dissatisfied. And I was like, I don't, what's the deal? And, and as I prayed through that and, and counseled with some people, I felt like you know, one of the things that God was saying is, is that, look, these, those first years you lay a foundation and then at some point, though, you've got to put some boards up, right, Gene? Like, you can't just work on the foundation forever. <laughs> at some point, you've got to get in there and start going. If, you're a, if we were a plant, it's good to have a good root system, but at some point, you've got to start bearing fruit, right? And so, not that we haven't borne any fruit, I'm just saying, I felt like maybe it was time for us to pivot a little bit in our mindset and in, and in our mission. And so here we are, church on a mission. Just a, a request that you would dream with me a little bit over this next couple of weeks. And I've shared these, uh, we read this passage where Jesus teaches these parables. And Jesus was famous for teaching in parables. Taking everyday things that people in his era especially were very familiar with. Simple concepts and applying them to the kingdom of God. 
to say, here's how God works. Here's how my kingdom works. It's hard for you to wrap your brain around, so let me give you some stuff you can wrap your brain around and show you that it's kind of like that. So this, we just read two parables. One of them is about this farmer that scatters seeds, and that day they didn't have John Deere tractors. And so anyway, he goes out there, he scatters the seeds, and then it says, you know, he'd go to bed, and he'd wake up, and he'd go about his business. <clears throat> and as he does, the seeds begin to sprout. He doesn't know how. We think we know how now, because of science and whatnot, but there's still a lot that we don't, we don't understand about how that just happens, and we still can't just make it happen. Oh, we can do the things that a seed requires, and we know what a seed requires, but none of us can tell a seed to sprout and make it sprout. Who knows why it responds the way it does to the things that we can observe scientifically. But back then especially, they didn't have a clue what was happening. They just knew if they put the seed out, then it would sprout in due season, and then they could go out and do the work of harvesting whatever crop was produced. There's several things that we could say about the kingdom of God from this. One is that there are cyclical seasons. There's, you know, there's very much imagery here of the seed going in the ground and the seed coming up and the seed being harvested. The guy himself, there's night and day, there's the guy sleeping and rising, and that word rising is the same word that the New Testament uses for resurrection. So it's this idea of coming and going, you know, the, uh, the, to every season, to everything there's a season, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so, so it is with the kingdom. And what starts small will grow larger and uh, there's perhaps times for the sun to set on ministries and the sun to rise on a new ministry and things like that. The, the kingdom has a sort of season to it and a dying and a rising. Not only that, in a similar statement, Jesus compared his own death and resurrection that was coming up to this idea of planting a seed. That it must be buried in the ground and die before it rises. And so he used that imagery to foretell of his own death and resurrection. So one thing I take from that is that if we want growth, if we want new life, then we have to die in some form or fashion. So, in your personal life, you're going to have to be willing to die to your old self if you want to come alive to your new self. In the larger kingdom scheme of things, and just as a, as a local body of the church of Jesus Christ, we have to be willing to die if we want new life. And there's a couple ways you can do that, right? You can literally die and close the doors and make the way for new life. And we just celebrated that at, at our sister church, Welcome Home, this last week, just over a week ago. And that was the common refrain throughout the service as they closed that church was, this isn't the end, this is a beginning of something new. And they're going to move into a new church ministry, is going to move into that facility and, and try to reach that community. And so one church dies, another grows. The kingdom is just fine. And there's another way that a church can experience new life sometimes, and that is to die to themselves. 
Just as we personally can die to ourselves, we also can die to our own preferences, die to what we would prefer if it was all about us, and try to make way for new life and new ministry to rise up. But there's something else going on in this parable as well. On the one hand, the seed just grows. And it says the farmer doesn't even know how that's happening. It's just, it's happening. But on the other hand, he had to go out and scatter the seed. And he had to go out and harvest it. And so this tells us something about the kingdom and about the way God works with people, doesn't it? For, for whatever reason, God chooses to partner with people. We might question whether that's the best idea, because sometimes we blow it. But for whatever reason, God chooses to partner with people. And so we might say something like this is true, that, that growth, whether you're talking about a church growing and adding members, adding disciples, or growing as disciples and growing deeper in their faith, any kind of growth as a church, we cannot say that it happens as a result of our efforts. God brings the growth. Any adding of new disciples is not something that we've forced to happen, but something that God did in their hearts. Any spiritual growth is by His grace, because goodness knows we're a mess. And yet, we also cannot expect growth to happen without our efforts. These two are somehow true at the same time, that, that we cannot think that we can make growth happen, but yet at the same time, we can't expect growth to happen without putting in effort. Does that make sense? This is the way God's kingdom works. And so the farmer has to go out and sow seeds, and the farmer has to go about his business and do the work that he has to do and, and work to bring in the harvest and all that. And God brings the growth be it little or be it large. We read another parable. It's similar, agricultural. What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? And, or, or what parable shall we use to describe it? Which is actually, um, before we go any further, we'll come back. Jesus is echoing the words of a famous prophet that people in his day would have been familiar with where Isaiah said, with whom then shall we compare God and to what image will you liken him? It's the same phrase except Jesus speaks of God's kingdom that he was ushering in saying, what shall we compare it to? What is it like? Well, for one, it's like a mustard seed which is small, just tiny. And yet when you plant it, it grows into one of the larger plants in their day. And it has such big branches that, that birds can perch in it. Something so small can become something so significant that it blesses other creatures. And in Jesus' own context, in his own ministry, right? It must have seemed like a really small beginning. Probably not exactly what they expected the kingdom of God coming to look like. 
they were probably picturing a really big army right a lot of fanfare and here came Jesus walking around the countryside visiting little villages sharing that the kingdom of God was coming in our day and time too we know that something small can become something significant it's just one of the things about the kingdom of God so we might say this is kind of our main point today as we bring these two parables together and think about what do they mean for the kingdom what do they mean for us that when God partners with people small beginnings can yield big results when God partners with people small beginnings can yield big results I'm not here standing up here today to try and sell you that if we do X Y and Z then God is going to do something of a certain scale or magnitude In fact, when I came, I prayed, and I still pray. God, I'm going to do what you taught me to do and what you're calling me to do. You grow it or you sink it, it's up to you. <laughs> and we put it in his hands. And we don't know what he has for our future. But I do know this, that when we partner with God, and we do our part, and we trust him for his part, that oftentimes, small beginnings end up yielding big results. And so I want to ask you today to dream a little because yes, we did prove a lot of people wrong over the last four years who said, oh, they'll never change. That's just who they are. And I mean, just think about the last four years if you can. I, I mean, we could just, we wouldn't have time but to scratch the surface, but I mean, changes to worship ministry the way we sing and, and do music changes to our children's ministry have been drastic changes to our bylaws which good grief churches have split over much less than that <laughs> there's endless changes to our entire Sunday school ministry recently right I mean, now we do Sunday school in a way that probably you've never seen another church do it. And that's odd. And we stepped out in faith and we tried that and it's been awesome. We went from something like 70% participation to like 90% participation. Like that. And so that was a really big win. And we've had all these really cool things that have happened and changes that we've made. And yeah, we've proved a lot of people wrong in the process and we can celebrate that. But while we've laid a lot of good foundations, maybe it's time that we start focusing on not just are we going to survive, but could we thrive? What might God have in store for us if we were willing to dream a little bit with Him? And if we were willing to partner with Him? Is it impossible that with God's help, in a few short years, this room could be jam-packed full of worshipers every week? Is it impossible that, that when we sang, it would be so loud and rich, the worship, that it would fill the rafters with the sounds of God's praise?
Could you imagine something like that? So I want to ask you to dream a little bit because I think one of the problems that we face is while we may have convinced a lot of people out there that we weren't who they might have thought we were, we still have to convince ourselves of some things. Because a lot of times when we think about our church, we think about it just the way that it's always been, as long as we can remember. And the future that we imagine for our church looks the same as what we've experienced before. Maybe there was a, a, a period of like glory years that you enjoyed ministry here the most and that's what you picture as what it would look like for our church to be healthy again. I'm not saying that we're super unhealthy. I think we've made a lot of progress. We're already making that case. I'm just saying, what is your vision of what you would like to see for Cypress Street Church of God? It would be easy to say, well, we're just a little church that does what we do, and we are who we are, and that's all we'll ever be. It's easy to even just have a mindset of, I hope that we will survive. Because that's where we were for a while. I mean, let's face it, the church world today that we live in in our, in our society, it ain't easy being small. And there's not too many churches that, that make it. The small churches are growing smaller and the big churches are growing bigger. Have you noticed that? Just look around. So we recognize that we have an uphill battle ahead of us. And yet we still believe that God has something in store for our church. Or we wouldn't have been breaking our backs for the last four years, right? And laying a foundation and doing all those changes. So I want to challenge you to dream a little bit outside of the box of what you normally dream for Cypress Street Church of God. And just imagine what would it be like if God did choose to bless us in a way that would bless this community. Is it impossible that our baptistry might need to be filled more than once a year or so? Did you know in the last four years we've baptized 17 people? That's worth celebrating. That's really cool. I think we could do that in half the time. I think that's possible. Do you think that's possible? With God, anything's possible. Do you believe that? Is it impossible that in the future, small groups of people might be living on mission to our community from within this church family? Or that small groups of people would be really diving deep and what it means to be a disciple and a follower of Jesus. Is it impossible that Cypress Street Church of God could make a sizable impact in our community that would be felt by our community and noticed by our community and give glory to God? My dream would be for our church to go deeper and reach farther. To go deeper and to reach farther, which is maybe cliche, maybe, uh, maybe every church wants that. But 
really, I don't, I don't, this message, I don't want to give you the wrong impression that I just am all about reaching farther. Because I think if you reach farther without going deeper, you're setting yourself up for failure. We've talked a lot about being ordinary people, pursuing one extraordinary way. That we're called to be disciples of Jesus and to figure out what it looks like to live our lives increasingly like Jesus would live our lives. And so we are passionate about that first and foremost. But as we dig down and go deeper, as our roots go down in the ground and, and get healthy and, and firm, then the branches have to reach out. Jesus set us on a mission to make more disciples of Jesus. And so we've got to go deeper and then so we can reach farther. What do you think? I'll tell you one thing that, that I know. Is that anytime God initiates new life and kingdom growth, that's always a lot more fun than when human beings use their own efforts to try and sustain old ministries. Let me try to say that again. It's kind of a mouthful. It's a lot more exciting to partner with God in new things that He wants to do than it is to try our best to keep old things alive. Do you agree with that? And I didn't, I didn't sign up for just keeping an old thing alive. It doesn't sound fun to me at all. I want to dream about and pray about and work at something new that God might want to do in this place. And I can't say that I know what that looks like. I'd be lying to you. But I'm excited to find out. And so I want to just dare you today with this idea. And next week when we come back, we'll get more practical. For those of you who, like me, are like, okay, so we have this idea, what are you suggesting we do about it, huh? <laughs> For the, the doers and the, not the thinkers, well, next week we'll come and we'll talk about a more practical end of this. But today, it's pretty practical that you have to begin with this idea in your head that it's possible. That God might want to do something new that we never dreamed of before in our midst. Because he's the one that said the kingdom of God is like this little mustard seed. And when you plant it in the ground and it dies, it sprouts into something and it becomes this big thing that, that blesses people. Watch this. This is cool. And I'll close with this thought. This statement that Jesus said about the, the mustard seed that grows into a shrub and it says when, it plant, when it's planted it becomes uh, the largest of the garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. That's another Old Testament idea I found out. And there are a couple of prophets that talk about back in the day when Israel was going through tough times. They had been exiled and things were just, their nation was wrecked. And God held out these promises to them that someday from the ashes of their defeat they would spring forth new life. And what they were envisioning was what Jesus would come and bring and do. And they said, then you'll become so large and so healthy that the birds will perch in your branches. 
And what they meant by birds was the nations. That Israel, this idea that from their very inception, when God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation through which I will bless all the nations. This idea then was that Israel would bounce back in a new way. And that the nations would find shade, would find blessing through their, through their life, through their nation. And Jesus uses the same imagery to talk about the kingdom of God that's still yet coming in human lives today. And this idea that from something small can become something large that will bless the nations that will bless those that don't even know that he's God yet. And so, there you have it. <laughs> Church on a mission. Is it possible that our church in the next few years could bless some families that are maybe far from God right now? Could we reach some children and maybe even rope their parents in in the process. What would that look like? What, would, what difference might it make in some families in our community if they began to put Jesus at the center of their family? What difference might it make for your life if instead of always being, or primarily being focused like most of us are, on what we've got going, we started paying more attention to what God has going and what he might want us to do in that process. It's okay to dream big because Jesus dreamed really big. I'm hoping that we together can become the life-giving presence of Jesus in our community in some powerful ways in the years to come. So let's go deeper, and let's reach farther, and let's be a church on a mission. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you. Thank you for dreaming big about us, even when our vision has been way too small and short-sighted at times. And How can it be otherwise? We're so limited in what we can see, and you are so unlimited. God, we confess our limited perspective, our limited perspective, and, and our small thinking, and our doubts. Even our reluctance to die to ourselves so that new life can spring forth. Holy Spirit, stretch us. Challenge us. Spark our imaginations. And in the days to come, stretch our will and our dedication to your kingdom cause as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.